This episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast is brought to you by On Point Pomade. Keep your beard and hair looking on point with their line of pomades and beard oils over at onpointpomade.com. Use our code BSP15 at checkout and get 15% off your total purchase order. So thanks again to On Point Pomade for sponsoring our show. This episode is also sponsored by the Bean Bastard Coffee. Head over to thebeanbastard.com and pick up any one of their delicious hand-roasted coffees. Coffee lovers will also enjoy their hand-cut and handmade espresso candles and soaps as well. If you're in the Buffalo, New York area, head to their store located at 448 Elmwood Avenue. And thanks again to the Bean Bastard for supporting this show. Brutally Speaking Podcast is proudly sponsored by Rockabilia.com. With over 500,000 officially licensed items in their online store, you're guaranteed to find something you need. Use our code BRUTALLY and get 10% off your total purchase order. Now on to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast. I am your host, John, and this episode's guest is Johannes, vocalist of Avatar. This was a fun one. Um, It's funny. I remember when Johannes was actually on the Talk To Me podcast a few years ago, and To Me was like, I don't even know how to say your last name, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce it because I just am not going to fuck it up. So if you know how to say it, you know how to say it. And if you don't, that's okay. I believe it's Ekstrom, Ekstorm, Strum. See, again, that's why I don't like I don't like saying names because I don't like fucking them up. Um, but this is a fun, loose chat. It, you know, uh, basically, you, Avatar, we're out on tour. Uh, and I kind of enjoy talking to some of these bands that are currently out on the road because it's still kind of a foreign thing that they're doing, you know, being out on the road, uh, getting to tour in such a, a weird, limited capacity, you know, basically with... You know, you're able to play the show, you're still out doing the thing that you love to do, however, you're not really able to necessarily interact with everybody, you're not able to go explore the cities, you know, all the things that kind of make touring somewhat fun, you're not able to do. Um, So it's kind of interesting just getting to talk to some of these people, and, um, you know, Johannes is one of those that I've kind of long wanted to talk to with him having so many different hobbies outside of Avatar. Avatar are a very interesting band, uh, given their theat, like pension for theatrics and, you know, just doing a lot of different things, but also, you know, Johannes has a podcast with his wife, uh, who is a, a music journalist and, you know, kind of getting to kind of pick someone else's brain that is now involved kind of on the other side of this, that maybe you weren't or have an appreciation now all of a sudden for being on the other side of it and kind of leading conversations. Uh, it's a little bit different than just kind of having questions be lobbed at you and then being able to answer them or, or judge them, I guess, essentially. And I also kind of wanted to talk about his love of wrestling. So, I mean, there's a lot to kind of delve into uh, with that. And speaking of delving into uh, my Braves, and as you've just heard, I just opened my uh, Glenn Fittich 12 year. Uh, my Braves are literally playing right now game two of the World Series against the Houston Astros. Boo. Uh, we pulled out a win last night, six to two, uh, not at the cost of our starting pitcher fracturing his leg. Apparently, uh, caught a liner off of his ankle. They thought it was just a a real bad bruise swelling and all that took him out of the game. And he, uh, he ended up just kind of pitching a whole nother inning around it. Uh, and then they took him to, uh, get x-rayed and then find out basically had a fracture, uh, in his foot or in his leg, 
Uh, so the dude was playing a whole inning on a, on a broken leg, which is just insane. Uh, currently, things aren't looking so hot right now, my Braves. It's uh, bottom of the first, and there's a runner in scoring position and only one out. So let's uh, hope that the damage is pretty minimal. Uh, speaking of minimal damage, I am drinking, like I said, the 12-year Glenn Finnich. It's been since 1999, since the Braves were in the World Series. So, shit, I was a freshman in high school when that happened. So uh, in honor of that happening, I thought I would uh, actually have a, a nice sip of something delicious and uh, a little bit more refined uh to kind of commemorate everything and um yeah without further ado hold on i definitely took a bigger pull than i wanted to but the thing that's interesting about some of these single malt scotches is kind of just the the uh kind of like oaky flavor that you get the kind of the burn as it were I've always kind of really enjoyed these. Uh, many years ago, uh, there was a bar that I used to go to that would do half-off nights and literally half-off everything. And what was really interesting about it is that's where I kind of really started uh, trying the various, you know, single mulches, your your uh, uh, highland scotches, your lowland scotches and stuff like that, and kind of learning the differences in the, in the flavors and so forth. And I actually tend to think, uh, based on what little bit of uh, research I've done tasting these things, I think I actually prefer more of the single malts or even the uh, the lowland uh, whiskeys, scotches, and so forth. But uh, Glenfiddich was a really good one. Uh, my wife uh, bought me this bottle a little while ago around our fifth year anniversary uh, to kind of commemorate that. So kind of keeping it all into the relationships of doing things with your spouse. Uh, without further ado, though, here is my conversation with Johannes from Avatar. I'll talk to you on the other side of it. For schedule, I'm so like to yesterday. Yesterday came a thing, so I appreciate that. I mean, do it now. Thank you. No, no worries. I mean, I feel like, uh, unfortunately, like with having like a literally uh, when I get done with this, I'm gonna go see the Ice Nine tour, uh, that's here in town. But unfortunately, like I had texted Patrick, their drummer, and I was like, So are you guys also on a super tight bubble, or can we go get like dinner and like some drinks or something? And he was like, No, nah, super tight bubble, like no yeah, one in, yeah, no yeah. one out. So I was like, I was like, dude, this sucks. I was like, you know, I love that touring is back and I get to go to shows. But then I'm also mm. like the flip side of it is having friends who actively tour. I'm like, I don't get to see you, though. So it's almost like the other side of it that I enjoy, which I'm sure you very much do as well. Yeah. Especially not being here from the States, you know, half of the fun for you guys, I'm sure, is seeing the people that, you know, and, and getting to explore the areas. And now you don't get to do that. So I feel like it's almost like two thirds of what makes touring fun is gone right now. Yeah, yeah. There's been a couple of awkward conversations about it, but uh, to friends here and in the U.S. But at the same time, I've, for the time being, I feel I'm in no position to complain because, right? Like for instance, the show yesterday, we, uh, I said it on stage because it, it was one of those shows, you know. Like there's wanting this, there's enjoying this, there's loving this, and some days there is needing this and to have the privilege to, <laughs> to. To be able to formulate what we do in those terms and as such also you know and then get to do it uh that's pretty amazing i'm not gonna complain too much but yeah there are some friends that would have looked forward to have seen that i won't yeah it's uh it's been weird like tonight will be my fifth show i think since the pandemic mm -hmm. and it's been such an interesting cross-section of what i've seen and just how things were so like the first one i know you've played here in grand rapids so you're at least familiar mm. with the area yeah. uh so so not too far from the intersection where you guys typically play play probably about you know five ten minutes uh yeah. there was a big festival that was you know had like rob zombie and corn and all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that was my first show and so to go right back into a festival setting locally it was just like I don't know if this is like, okay. Like it was one of the first big shows too, that started like before any of these yeah. other festivals that like, I know you've played like blue Ridge and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, but it was really weird. Cause there was, you know, where everyone's following the mandates that are in, in place, but it didn't feel like anything really had changed. But at the same time, it was like very refreshing and welcoming to be back 
yeah and seeing people that you typically only see at shows or whatever and just kind of the camaraderie yeah. of people loving you know going to the live experience mm. to then the like a couple of months later you know having gone to chicago to go see the kanye west donda event and i'm literally now in a stadium full of people and experiencing that and that was just kind of like all right different city totally different rules you know this is mm. a really interesting pop culture moment that i'm now a part of to then going to a 420 cap room a couple of days later and seeing knocked loose in a sold out show mm. to now going to kind of that mid you know 1800 cap room show or yeah, so yeah yeah and it's one of those where just kind of having experienced pretty much the gamut now of what live music was pre-pandemic Mm-hmm. Now, post pandemic and just kind of seeing it, it's been really interesting just to see the shift in how we as people treat each other, mm-hmm. um, how we treat the venue staff. I've noticed a lot more people seemingly are a lot nicer to the venue staff than they used to be. <laughs> and it's one of those where I just kind yeah. of uh, I'm enjoying being kind of a people watcher and just kind of seeing how we as as humans are are adapting or what has changed uh just from going to shows literally that being the only mm-hmm. constant one thing what have you noticed well a lot of like again we have to we really try hard to do our part and we are the we are the thing that is being moved around you know so we try to really hard to prevent that anyone picks anything up wherever we are so we don't bring it to the next place um and noticing in the what am i noticing well we've like you if you want also prior to all this you you could as a touring musician you could feel like a fish in a bowl if you're into that and i wasn't but now i really am a fish in a bowl and of course that's that's different but uh, it's like so much I all in all, I guess, like this period that whatever's going on now has to be seen as some kind of learning experience, I guess. And I don't know. I really don't know. Like it, we, it's doing really well. We, it's as far as like I'm, I'm not sick yet. <laughs> Knock on wood. You know, <laughs> uh, I'm not sick yet. But uh, so it's going well. We are being extremely careful. My hands are so fucking clean all the time. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm out, sure. of, out of curiosity, you know, I know a lot of, I, from what I've seen, there's not been many stateside bands that have gone and done any international traveling just due to a lot of the travel implications, yeah. travel bands and so forth in, in place. I think you're one of the first bands, at least that I've yeah, talked to, really, yeah. that actually has made it over here. Well, it's because it's been deemed in the best interest of the United States of America that I come over and sing. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> no, because, yeah, no, the borders, things will start opening up again, I think, November uh, for for us Europeans, for real. But you could get a national interest exception in your visa mm. uh, for a limited time. And uh, we've, you know, and it was proven again in the best interest of you and your fellow citizens. It was in your best interest that me and my fellow musicians came over to sing and dance and play. Uh, and that is in accordance with the presidential decree. It says so in my passport on the page that has my US visa. Uh, no, and, and, you know, so I guess we had a really good lawyer for that. uh, but you know because it's it's you could have it for obviously you know special national interest would have been like i i i think i have the cure for covid and i need a laboratory in in, at mit for that okay he gets flown over you know or stuff like that uh but then i know that as this was booked like we are work we are we pay american taxes for you know you know with the business we do over here and we work with a lot of Americans and we entertain a lot of Americans. So I guess was the reasoning. So there was a national interest in terms of business. Hmm. And I don't know, like we try to keep up our part of the bargain by being again, very pretty darn safe. You know, I think we're doing a fair job out of it. 
I think something that's interesting in talking with you, and, and I don't want to make this completely 100% about basically the pandemic. It's just, you know, it's you, hard not though, right? I was going to say, I mean, the, you're in such an interesting position. So, you know, something I actually have thought a lot about and, and talked with, you know, some of my friends that tour is, you know, I feel like they're, let me preface by saying in the traveling I've gotten to do in the last five years or so with my wife traveling mainly mm-hmm. just in the, in the U S and getting to see different regions, see how people live, see different differences. And just, you know, from here to Michigan to we'll say California or yeah. down in Texas, whatever, and just see how everyone does things and, and the culture that exists there and so forth, you know, you, it can't help, but in, inform you of a bigger view other than just literally what you see here locally, like your local scene and it, to put it in musical terms. But I often say I feel like my friends who get to travel abroad, like internationally, that can't help but also inform you on global issues and so forth, because you're literally seeing some of these places where when people talk about it, people have no idea what what they're seeing or what to expect. And I think it puts everything into perspective. So with you being one of the first foreign people that's come over here now during all of this has it been interesting for you to to firsthand kind of see things that maybe you had only heard smatterings of in your local news or in your well i don't know, I don't know if it was more of that this that that's true all the time i guess but because so but again i live uh, as, as all of europe under the uh that ton of bricks that is the cultural imperialism of the United States and, and the, under an umbrella anyway, you know what I mean? That's uh, true. So we get to follow the news a fair bit. Us as a band specifically have ended up spending a good chunk of our careers over here and thus having a lot of close friends and partners and, uh, and ex, you know, uh, just has, that has affected our social media feeds in a different ways. I guess like I, I'm relatively in more, I guess I'm more informed about the stuff in the U S in general due to a personal interest and investment in it uh, compared to other friends back at home uh, to begin with. Um, now, again, since we came over, I like, I know that things have been going on and I know things are vastly different from state to state. And I would agree with some places how they have conducted themselves more than others. Um, and, and and but I, I as we live at again in this fishbowl, I don't really get to see see it and experience it the way like at home. You know, I go grocery shopping at home. You know, like oh, we can go to libraries now. Wow, you know, and whatever they would deal with it uh, that I had to deal with, and I'm immerse myself in it. And now the whole point what we're doing now is to try to not immerse ourselves in it while doing this thing. You know, to yeah, be try to be responsible in some way if there is a way of being that um so yeah no i guess that's another i don't yeah it's it's i guess i feel less immersed <laughs> i get to see less <laughs> this time but ultimately i see a bunch of human beings trying to live their lives according to what they think is right or wrong and stuff and uh, and uh, uh, the polarization is more evident online than it is in person. I feel. I guess I don't know what else is clever I can say about it. I know. <laughs> I know it's polarized. I know that I like masks and distance and science and honesty and and, and that information and stuff. And uh, you know, again, having the ear on the ground in terms of how things are being talked about over here. Many times I feel like the people who are saying a lot of very, very stupid things and hurtful things about this, things that are simply wrong, tend to have a very US-centric idea of why this crazy-ass Bond villain plan would be put in place, where it's like, oh yeah, and you think you got the Finnish government in on that as well? The Dutch, the Belgians, the <laughs> Chinese, the Japanese, so the South Africans, you know, to, yeah. to fool you. In, yeah somewhere somewhere in the state of something you know and yeah you know i get the vaccine man (laughs) come on yeah i just came back from atlanta uh, a week ago Mm -hmm. and over it was funny because we were my wife and i were talking because i said uh yeah i got a little bit of pushback from a couple of people who are like you and you and your wife seem to have traveled an awful lot during this pandemic she's like we didn't go hardly anywhere and i was like 
Well, t- technically, I think right as the pandemic started, we were in New Orleans. Then we had your grandmother's funeral, had to go to Arizona. Then my uncle's funeral, had to go back home to Delaware. I was like, we went then went to Atlanta. We've gone to and she was like, I was like, we went to Vegas. And she was like, oh, I guess we have gone to a lot of places. And I was like, Maybe. and I go, but the thing is, is like, you know, like I made the comments to somebody. I go, I'm vaccinated. I make sure to follow all the procedures uh, wherever we're going. Look them up ahead of time. So we're, we're following everything as best as we can. Mm. Whatever events we're doing, we're following you know, protocols. If like when we went to San Antonio, we went to a basketball game. They were a quarter full. You had to you know upload all this information. You then had to present that before you could even get into the stadium. Like there were all these things mm. in place and, and we adhered to that. And it's like if the whole point of all of this is to get back to a normal, then at what point do you start trying to do the normal things in the capacity of what you're told is acceptable and then just start living your life again? And I go, it's, I understand the, 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 some degree of some people, you know, complaining like, well, by you leaving and going somewhere else, potentially you could spread and all this that and the other, but it's like, again, it's like, well then what was the point of vaccinating? What was the point of doing all this stuff? Like it's, it's kind of the, what is that? The aboreous or whatever, the snail, the snake eating its own tail. That it's yeah. like, yeah, you kind of just keep doing this. And eventually you kind of have to be like, all right, at what point do you just start trying to live a life of some sort and, and just yeah. kind of figure it out? But um, something that has been interesting on your tour and kind of bringing the morale up <laughs> from the pandemic talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently there was a misconnection I saw on your Twitter feed the other day at one of your shows where a uh concert goer uh was smitten by an attractive lady and what uh i i didn't know avatar was now in the love making love matchmaking game uh have you has has there been more developments on that front no no developments i found it sweet uh but also someone commented dude if she hasn't reached back to you by now maybe it's just she Maybe she saw it very differently than he did, which <laughs> makes me feel a bit sad, you know. I, there's still hope. Oh, there's always hope. Don't give up hope, of course, but, you know. Uh, um, have you have you guys, you know, I know the thing at a lot of shows over the, you know, with social media and people being able to, to get a hold of people in bands. Have you guys had a proposal during your tenure of being in the band of, you know, having someone come on stage? No, and but we haven't. No, I, I don't think... That's it's our fucking show. Sorry, I don't know if I can. <laughs> no, you can. You can totally swear. No, you can okay. swear. Uh, it's our fucking show. Uh, but what we have had are people walking down the aisle at their weddings to our music, and also it's a few years ago now. But it was in, we were in Alabama, and come this couple of newlyweds uh, ditched their party to catch our show. You know, before mm. going back to the wedding party, and that was that. I, there, I felt incredibly honored. That was really cool. So we have had that. So there has been romantic connections to to the band, absolutely. But you know, like with all due respect to proposals. Uh, also, I don't know the, the big public display of proposal. I think we are personally that is not how the married people in the band did not propose like that. And I sometimes joke up with my wife about you know if I want a divorce, I could re-propose to her from stage. You know, she would slit my throat. <laughs> which, which i understand <laughs> so it's i guess that that in particular is not a thing uh but but yeah no no there's, there's, there's been wedding marriage child making related things going on in our shows yeah i i was one of the people who did actually propose during a show actually with a, a mutual acquaintance uh the guys in wilson are good friends of mine mm-hmm. and when wilson was still kind of a, a regionally touring band uh, here in Michigan at the time I had booked them and I had hit up Chad because at the time, and I think he still did it throughout most of the band's career uh, where mm-hmm. he played the, the big bass drum and usually mm-hmm. it would have like some kind of a saying on it. And so I was like, I want to propose to my wife at the show that I just booked for you guys. Um, mm-hmm. But like you said, I didn't want it to take away from the show. So when like Chad's like, so do you want to like come up on stage? And I was like, no, no, no. Cause you always come out. This is how you end the set. You come out and I'll kind of, you know, whatever you can just be like, Hey, thanks for, you know, John for booking the show da, 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 and I'll just raise my hand and wave at you so you can see where I am. And then when the song's going, you do the thing, but then on the drum, it'll say, you know, like Bridget will or 
Bridget, will you marry me on either side? Oh, yeah. so, like you can do it. And I go, because That's when you're cute, done, bro. I go, your set's done. You get the fuck off stage. Your band starts tearing down. The next band can load on. It doesn't actually take away from the show. No, I was like, and so he was just like, you know, I ended up doing it and it went off without a hitch and, you know, we're still together now. But it's funny because like that was my big thing is I was like, I don't want it to take away from the show. I don't want to be the center of attention. I want it to be a part of the show because my wife and I go to a lot of shows. We basically before we knew each other, we're at a lot of shows together. And it's one of those where music is and live music, especially mm-hmm. is, is a huge part of our lives. So I thought it was fitting in that capacity have, to do it that way my permission in hindsight that's, that's fine. <laughs> well i'm glad now you know in hindsight i have your permission yeah. uh i'll tell chad that he he still is uh in the clear for for doing that yeah <laughs> um something i kind of wanted to talk to you about because yesterday this was actually something i was reading and i know that uh through doing some due diligence that you are a wrestling fan have you yeah. seen uh or heard about what's going on with rick flair currently I saw some pictures of him being back at the gym, and I think he isn't he managing over in AW or something like that. Or that I is. that I'm not entirely sure of. I know there. It's it's funny in the last like couple of weeks he's been up is everywhere. I was gonna say he was accused of going down on some woman on a train in public, and then I think his best reply was like, "I don't ride trains." <laughs> <laughs> and i was like i only you would get away with saying something like that and people not being like that doesn't really address anything but okay but no i guess uh as of so there's that show on vice you know dark side of the ring which is it's uh, a yeah, really great yeah, yeah. thing yeah, I, I and like they finally address the uh the plane ride from hell yeah, uh oh, yeah. just uh, a bunch of shit was going on i get to see that but yeah i heard of it yeah and uh apparently allegations are brought against Rick and, you know, having stewardesses grope him and stuff like that. Like him having them. Yeah. And so now apparently WWE, I saw his yesterday, like scrubbed him from like everything. So he's not even part of their, their thing. And it's just kind of interesting that it's, it was kind of making me think about this, this kind of culture we live in now where it's like, we know a lot about things that happen. We maybe don't talk about them or there is obviously we have knowledge of something, but then it seems to be once it becomes a bigger issue, then all of a sudden it's like, well, let's just disown any connection to this at all. And then erase. I I think that was stupid. I think that counts as assault. I think like I, I, you're not supposed to do that. And that's bad. Uh, don't go around pretending that you just found out because everyone was on that plane. That's, that's the story, right? That they were all there and losing their minds. And, and so it's either either you were, you know, and then, then we have to decide what is, uh, for what do we, you know, put people in boiling oil and throw them into a volcano <laughs> or stuff? And for what do we give them a slap in the fingers? And what's the scale in between there? You know, because there is wrong and then there's wrong. And, and I don't know, I, I wouldn't have liked to be in the receiving end of his behavior, but, you know. Uh, but it was done, and if we are cool with everything and buy the T-shirt and think he's the funniest guy ever, and the thirty for thirty thing special with him was the best one ever, and all that, and you know, and you say woo, uh, <laughs> and all, that. and now because it got a bit more attention, because again, I knew it, I I heard about it in different versions from part. It's one of those things, right? Yeah. And and now, okay, with because Vice is doing such a good job with their stuff, it's. Um, it's, uh, uh, you know, I guess it hits the mainstream a bit more, but if there's, I guess, Ric Flair is one of, what should we say, four pro wrestlers or former pro wrestlers who are truly in the mainstream anyway. The Rock, Steve Austin, Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, I guess. And two of the Fair four are, two of the four are from that era that are, have gone through a lot of problems. It's funny, actually, it was re- it's something that I was going to read and I was going to actually, this was kind of my segue into an interesting mm-hmm. question. You know, I read someone's opinion where they were saying, you know, what's interesting is, you know, between Hogan and Flair, they never were able to disassociate from their persona, their wrestling persona. They were pretty much those people all the time. Whereas you see someone like Stone Cold or The Rock and they are able to be. Yeah, but how true is that when in Hulk Hogan's case, his persona was much nicer than he proved to be in real life if you had up all the stars. Well, right. And that was kind of the thing was at least like. The interesting part about it is, you know, you're like, well, that was, I mean, 
Hogan's a little bit different than Flair. Like when you hear something like this from Flair, you're like, well, I mean, not entirely shocked, but like with Hogan, you know, it was a lot of, well, you know, he was the guy that, you know, eat your vitamins, say your prayers, da, 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 all this kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, now you find out he might be low key racist. He's all this other shit. And you're like, well, all right, that's whatever. But it's like, it was a different era, you know, it was the kayfabe era back then. And so we didn't know much about their private lives other than literally whatever they wanted to force Mm -hmm. on us for a a storyline or whatever. But you look at someone like, you know, the rock or Dwayne Johnson and and stone cold. And it's like, they've been able to disassociate from those personas and become who they are. And it kind of makes me wonder if at times, because I, I feel like part of your, you know, on stage persona is a little bit wrestling inspired, perhaps if there's ever kind of a a hard like duality maybe of you as the performer where it's just you cranked up to 11, but, or maybe you're not, sorry, maybe you're not that person at all. And it's, it's really you finding something, a character to kind of slip into for your role as the leader of avatar, basically. Yeah, no, I, it's, it's not a character. It's not a, it's not nothing that was written down on a paper to shape that. It is, it's, Dial up to 11 is the right way of describing what's going on there. So, I don't know. When I am on stage, I still don't sexually assault people. Uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I need to offer on stage. So, no, but it's... Uh, I don't know. Like, I guess the risk is always if you're put in the limelight. And it doesn't matter if you play for 40,000 or 40 people, as long as they look at you with a certain type of admiring eyes and applaud what you do for being a silly boy you uh, that can go to someone's head I guess very easily and I guess but it's kind of I guess in the art form and in what we're doing and the I'm putting very high value into honesty and sincerity and those songs I don't know I hear the sound check with a recording from the other night in the background of smells like a freak show and ultimately i feel like one of the many things i try to do on stage is to reconnect with whatever song meant to me at the time of writing and recording it and there's a lot of stuff in that that if you do that honestly if you do smells like a freak show honestly or if you do Peyton red honestly or you know some of those you, you know, that should keep you somewhat rooted in some kind of self-examination. Hopefully, you know, I'm probably really full of myself. If you ask someone who isn't me, <laughs> uh, you know, that is, but as I get to answer you now, I say, no, man, I'm fine. Off stage, I'm a lovely bloke, just as pretty as on stage, you know, just the lights <laughs> falls particularly nice, on, nicely on me there. Uh, no, but I think it's, you know, it, it, in in what we do, it's it's different. It's a different form of storytelling. It's because wrestling, pro wrestling, I, I do draw a lot of inspiration there and dial up your personality into a persona by going to, you know, cranking up to 11. Definitely a pro wrestling thing. Listening and working with the audience, feeling where are they at? How do I bring them? How do I assume control here? And how I speak and even just how I move while singing and all that that is well thank you rick flair uh, frankly you know thank you hulk hogan in, in that sense um but again they tell they tell a story in the ring and i read from my diary <laughs> i don't know that I, I was think... a good answer there at the end i got it at the end yeah <laughs> you cut, you, cut the, you you landed your promo very well you got out yeah. of it really well yeah it's uh I don't know. It was, it's, it's, it was a sketchy there for a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that, like, to me, that's the interesting thing about wrestling. And, you know, when I actually took, a, like, friends in touring bands for me to really kind of get into it, because, like, I noticed a lot of touring musicians really love wrestling. And the more mm-hmm. I kind of think about it, it's like, okay, like, other, it's kind of like, you know, they've always said it's like a male soap opera, you know, like, like it's an action movie, but it has a little bit of storyline, so on and so forth. And it's just, you know, fun. And it was one of those things where getting back into it, you know, it I realized how similar that 
that can be to what you guys do. You know, they yeah. tour, they're trying to win over audiences. So that's like being a new band where you're trying mm. to get over and you're, you there, know, are, there are a couple of things. There are a couple of things, I guess, specifically uh, that, because yeah, I grew up just loving the real life superheroes on TV and stuff. And uh, wanted Sting to extract revenge upon the NWO and all, all those good stuff, you know, uh, now, on top of that, as years have passed, and again, like as I'm working on my thing and our thing, what I keep carrying with me uh, for real is like, I'm generally just this those art forms that are jazz in the live entertainment form, in the sense that, you know, I've been to the ballet and I love it. I've been to opera and I love it. Uh, I've been seeing musical theater, I like musicals, I love it. I, I like, I like stuff. Um, but the subgenre of live entertainment or the performing arts that are more, you know, dependent on the situation, that is more affected what's going on in the room, uh, there my fascination becomes endless. That those are magicians, and mm. those are stand-up comedians, those are music that leaves space for improv, such you know, jazz, for instance. Those are live dj sets if it's them you know those who actually do make some the spot and of course <laughs> bands you know because we go there with a plan and i can say I, there's certain things that i can say every night but just work on the timing and you erect something in the room that changes things around and that's you know it's not it's not as like working on a stand-up comedian set because that is to talk for ultimately you try to get your hour together or whatever and you have to be funny all the time because it's not my job to be funny. I get away with, if I'm just a bit amusing, people think I'm really funny and I can reuse the, my jokes for much, much longer than they can. Uh, that being said, it's uh, you know, it's still <laughs> kind of work on your material, you know, and, and, you know, have a fixed plan. We kind of choreograph a little thing. Would it be cool if you all stood like, did this thing like that? And then we kind of started to diverge from that and invent new things. It's a living, breathing thing. And that is pro wrestling too. You know, like, what if you jackknife powerbomb me down on, you know, over there and then, but I then I will counter it. And like, let's try that tonight. And you work on your thing throughout the house shows. And there I feel like kinship. Well, I feel like there's almost, you know, kind of speaking to that, I feel like house shows are more fun than what you end up seeing on the televised product yeah, because it's yeah. like there's so much more room for spontaneity and just it's having fun. Pro wrestling. When yeah. It's a show. And, uh, you know, uh, I am. a So, like, I dip my toe in here and there and I want to. I, I always like it. I want to love it. Uh, you know, I. I. I'm sitting on my porch talking about those damn kids. I there's certain things that I like in the way it was. Most importantly, you know, like yes, it is predetermined. Yes, if it's done right, it should hurt me to watch them do what they do, but they shouldn't hurt each other. But believe I, what I need as an adult, I don't care. It can be childish and stuff, you know. I can go for. Again, people hulking up and stuff. We can play by different rules because UFC is, and, you know, MMA is fine too. We don't have to pretend that this is now MMA because no, we can we can actually decide together that drop kicks is a devastating move, and missile drop kicks makes sense as a strategic choice to defeat an opponent, right. and that personal issues decides the booking and billing of a you know of a match card. We're into that, and uh, we. Uh, just but as an adult I still want to feel like that the majority of people on the card I want to look at them and think he could kick my ass he could kick my ass she could kick my ass you know like I, and and it doesn't take much because I, I don't I haven't been in a fight since I was 12 <laughs> you know whatever so it doesn't take much probably to make me believe that but when they polish things too much or they don't you know live up to that look of expectations and a lot of it is body, a lot of it is self, but even more is how you carry yourself, you know. You need to feel, you need to feel dangerous. It's still, you know, supposed to be fighting and personal issues, deciding yeah. how badly you want to fight each other and clawing yourself to have all the stories in there is determined on like, you know, that's why still, you know, what everyone should be or 
no, we can have we can have two nice looking fellas, you know. But ninety eight percent of people should be a bunch of Brock listeners. <laughs> you know, That's why. I Good. still, I still believe when he's there. You know, I still like. It's like, oh, oh, he's in trouble. Like there, I forget. I kept keep forgetting that it's predetermined when he's there. Yeah, you know. Well, that's why I love Andy Williams being in AEW because you know I don't know if you've played with Every Time I Die at all or been following Andy at all, but he he his love of professional wrestling and his knowledge of like you know for when he was doing a podcast for a little bit with now his tag partner uh braxton mm-hmm. sutter he they would talk about like all right we're gonna go back to like 1996 we're gonna watch all the thunders and mm-hmm. we're just gonna like talk about you know the the card or the one specific match or whatever mm-hmm. and andy would be like it's so cool like there was a couple of weeks where like this dude whatever you know some the guy who what was the fucking guy's name uh he had the sub-zero uh gimmick glacier yes so he was talking about how like glacier went on this like six week long run cut you know building up to this thing and he's like dude glacier sucks but he's so badass like it was like okay you mortal combat's cool cool you're gonna be sub-zero but you're not sub-zero you're glacier and he's sub-zero for mortal combat three though (laughs) yeah and so it's funny like listening to andy just break down the character and and break Mm. down like this and his love of you know wrestling like when i had him on when i had first started this show like five years ago you know, he was like, oh, I got interviewed by some little girl and, you know, her dad was probably feeding her questions. And, you know, she was like, if you could go back in time, where would you go? And he basically made the joke that he would go and get stabbed in that <laughs> in that bathroom instead of Bruiser Brody. And like uh-huh. he was like, the girl just looked so concerned and the dad didn't really, I don't think, understood the reference. And as he's <laughs> telling me this joke, I'm or the story. I'm laughing because I understand mm-hmm. what he's saying, because I know he's a big mm-hmm. Bruiser Brody mark. But it's one of those to see him now, like where it's like, you know, he's going bald. And so is his partner. They decided to grow their hair out because they wanted to look like old 80s action stars or yeah. action movie people or like how the AWA and the NWA and stuff like that. Like how those guys used to look like yeah. kind of not not in shape, but like you're saying, I believe those guys could kick my fucking ass if it really came mm. down to it. And there's not really that believability or even that kind of attention to detail uh for going back and appreciating where the art form came from and Mm. you could almost put that same prism on music you know a lot of times now i feel like you know i constantly tell people when they're what are you listening to that's new and i go i'm not listening to something new i'm actually listening to something old kind of getting a feel for it so then i can go Mm. forward and then see what where everything's going and see where those people are then taking the torch and then taking the torch moving forward Mm. because I'll have the appreciation to understand where something came from. And I was like, I feel like, you know, we all have the ability to do that with the world's knowledge literally at our fingertips, but we're too fucking lazy or whatever to actually do that. So it's one of those where I don't know if it's now my age where I'm that guy on my lawn going like you goddamn kids just don't understand. But sometimes I feel that way. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, I have to give a heads up that very, very shortly it's going to be sound check time. Okay. My last question for you actually was going to be uh, segueing into podcasting. I know you have a podcast and something yeah. I love asking fellow podcasters who have done it for a little bit. What is something that you've learned about yourself through doing a podcast? Hmm. Or have I learned about myself through doing a podcast? I don't know. Uh, I learned something, uh, but what I've been enjoying about it is, um, you know, because we use, it's me and my wife, it's called Metal Break, and it's finding different ways of talking about metal and stuff, and a, a chunk of it has been doing interviews, and to be on the other end of it, uh, and in terms of just, it's been interesting, the idea to, just the work of trying really hard to vibe with an artist trying real hard, you know, to do your homework and prepare. And if you, if you do the right kind of homework, how easy it gets, because it's appreciated and then how hopeless it is, depending on who you talk to, if they are like, okay, you're not going to talk, but why are we here? And, and just do the journey from the, you know, sit at the other side of the table, I guess has taught me a bunch of things. Uh, and frankly, because I'm then, feel because my wife is the actual music journalist she written for actual metal magazines since she, she was a teenager you know she has a pedigree in the field and and learning from her and learning with her how to do this thing and 
has also okay but now i set these standards for me uh who's made has maybe made me you know less uh, what's called a tolerance <laughs> when i see when i enter into you and like oh you know when it comes so okay so good i'm so excited to be here i've been following you so, so much yeah so what do you want to talk about no 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 no, no, no. that's not how good to do that you know and it's i i i for for the sake of conversation leading up to actually starting an interview i feel how is the tour doing so far it's perfectly fine it's talking whether if it's an actual question in in your battery of questions for an interview you you lose me already there you know that's good so it's a tour room because I'm gonna lie. If it's bad, <laughs> I'm gonna yeah. You're not gonna find out what happened. You know who fought with whose wife or whose blood stains are in you know in the tour bus bathroom. You're, you're, we're not gonna tell you shit about what's actually going on in that sense. You know, we kind of you have to go into specifics to get specific answers. There. So that that's important. Absolutely. <laughs> so you know, learning things about being on the other end of it. Awesome. Well, I'll let you get to your sound check so you can uh, do your your visa duties of actually coming here to perform for us. And uh, thank you for taking the time. Uh, Hopefully we can do this again another time and uh, enjoy your show tonight. And I will hopefully enjoy mine. Hopefully it's good. Hopefully the tour is going well and uh, I don't run into any problems. (laughs) And wash your hands. Absolutely. See you, man. Yep. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Boy. So that was my conversation with Johannes of Avatar. Again, want to take the time to thank him for taking time during being out on the road. Uh, you know, I know I kind of joked that there's not really a whole lot to do when you can't leave a tour due to it being in the midst of a pandemic and just everyone kind of chilling out. But uh, it doesn't mean that there isn't something else that Johannes could have done with his time other than talking to me. So I want to thank him for taking the time and for kind of just kind of going all over with me with that. Like, I didn't necessarily know that I was going to get kind of caught up in global politics of sorts uh, in the beginning there. But I do think it was funny, and it's something that I I noticed right away as soon as it was coming out of my mouth of like, well, obviously you're aware of what's happening here, and it's like, that's so fucking pretentious of me, but more I think speaks to us as Americans to just assume that, well, everyone knows what the fuck's happening here because we're America, we're the greatest. So uh, I thought it was kind of funny that I, I had to kind of check myself right away with just that line of thinking because it's it's not indicative of how world the world is i mean i don't necessarily know what's going on in other parts of the fucking country uh in our country let alone other countries so to assume that someone who's not even living here would just know what's going on here would be would be weird but i think the bigger talking point that was kind of interesting is just at that point even kind of having someone who lives abroad kind of figuring out how to traverse the difference is globally. I mean, you know, coming over here to the States where, you know, I've done a little bit of traveling since the pandemic and it's like, you know, you, you have different rules in place based on geography. Like I know what, and even sometimes that's not even consistent. And, you know, I know when going to San Antonio when going to, you know, Las Vegas, it was weird because it's like some places it's like, well, if you go into a restaurant, as soon as you're sat, then you can take a mask off or it's when you have water or when you actually have food and, there's no nothing that tells you, so you kind of have to wing it and figure it out. And I think that would be – I know it was at times frustrating for me to kind of deal with that in my travel, so I couldn't imagine really kind of doing that and having it be for part of my job. Um, so forgive me, I guess, a little bit for, for some of the tangents we went on there uh, kind of speaking to those things. But, you know, it's not often – uh, that I always get to talk to people who are from abroad, uh, especially during all of this. You know, like I said, Avatar are one of the first few bands that I've talked to that are actively touring and uh, are seemingly doing really well. The irony is right after we got done doing this chat, I saw news broke of uh, one of the opening bands on the tour basically getting kicked off due to COVID issues or whatever. So... It seems like maybe, I guess, in spite of everyone's best intentions, uh, shit still is happening. So we'll we'll kind of see how that goes and, you know, how how it will affect uh, touring going forward. I know uh, right now uh, my wife and friend are at the In This Moment Dead show. Um, and I know they are on a hell of a lockdown right now. Uh, I have a cousin that you heard me say in, when talking to Joe from Dead that I've never met that's on that tour. And I was kind of excited to meet him. But then he's like, well... 
can't really hang out with anyone. So, and I was like, well, all right, fair enough. So, um, all of that aside, that has nothing to do with this actual conversation, but just uh, another fun, interesting aside, how even when you know people on tours, you don't get to hang out with them. So, um, if you would like to keep up with Avatar, it is very simple. You can just go to avatarmetal.com. That is the landing page for everything. If you want to follow him on social media, simple enough, Avatar Metal, everywhere. Uh, if you'd like to keep up with Johannes, you can find him on Twitter at Johannes underscore Avatar. Uh, I did not find an Instagram page for him, so maybe he does have one and it's private. I don't know. But if you would like to figure that one out yourself, go ahead and do the digging. Um, so there you go. Speaking of doing digging, why don't you go back and dig into the uh, back episodes of the Metal Break podcast with Johannes and his wife. Uh, I have been making my way slowly through some of the episodes, but when you're roughly sitting at around <laughs> 15 to 20 podcasts uh, that come out once or twice a week, you, you start falling behind pretty fucking quickly, uh, especially in doing your own. So uh, I always love uh, advocating for people to go and check out podcasts when people have podcasts uh, that are guests on the show. So please go do that if you can and you would like to. Uh, if you would like to keep up with this podcast, simple enough, it is at brewspeakpod.com. That is a landing page for everything. Bruce Speak Pod on every social, so that's simple enough as well. Uh, if you would like to keep up with our show sponsors, uh, you can go to beanbaster.com, pick up some delicious coffee. I can't wait to go to Buffalo in about a month, a little over a month and a half, uh, to go to the brick and mortar. I'm going to buy a shitload of stuff straight from the source. I'm actually going to get to watch the beans be roasted. I'm very fucking excited about it, if you can't tell. Also, I'm really excited about Rockabilia.com. They have over 500,000 items in their online store. Use our code BRUTALLY and take 10% off your total purchase order. Uh, I thoroughly enjoy saving you guys some money when I can, so please take advantage of that, especially with the holidays fast approaching. And speaking of fast approaching, with the holidays, you know, holiday photos, holiday gatherings, those are a thing again this year. Keep your beard and hair looking on point. Uh, use On Point Palmade. Go to onpointpalmade.com. Use our code BSP15, take 15% off your total purchase order, keep your beard and hair looking on point this holiday season, and uh, I want to shout out our Patreon real quick, I want to shout out our patrons, Mark Tag, Craig Kent, Dewey, Sarah, thank you so much for your contributions, uh, love having you guys, support the podcast means a lot, uh, been putting a lot more content up, uh, basically all the episodes, as soon as I'm done with them, they go up over there, so if you want that exclusive access to that, uh, you can get that for as little as $3 a month, uh, what else is there over there? Oh, the What I Learned From a Podcast podcast, uh, I just dropped a new episode of that over there, you can get that for as little as a dollar a month, and what else do we got, what else do we got? Oh, uh, you know what, I'm not gonna tease that, I'm not gonna tease that surprise just yet, uh, so... For the Brutally Speaking Podcast, I am John, and I will talk to you all next week, where we have Brian Vanderark of the Verb Pipe. So I'm going to get out of here, watch uh, hopefully my Braves take two to nothing lead in the World Series. Not looking great right now, and I'll talk to you all next week.